Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. If you're there, say amen. Amen. Who serve unto the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern showed to you in the mountain. Don't have this mountaintop experience and then go make the pattern your own thing. Amen. Moses, you're having a God encounter, so take the God instructions from your God encounter and facilitate correctly. That's what Hebrews is talking about, this Old Testament experience. Now jump back all the way in your Bible to the book of Exodus. And I want to briefly read from Exodus 27, 16 about the subject for our topic today. From within this tabernacle, the starting point, as it were, the gate, Exodus 27, 16, and for the gate of the court shall be a hanging of 20 cubits. Of blue, purple, scarlet, fine twine linen. He said, I, I need this to happen wrought with needlework. And their pillars shall be four, and their sockets four. Starting a series here on our Sunday mornings, um, there was a, a book that has been out for some time. It's really a a concept of praying through the tabernacle. I mentioned this briefly a few weeks ago and told you after the first of the year, we were kind of heading this direction. Brother G.A. Mangan, Elder Brother Mangan, that has also gone on to be with the Lord, had a system of praying through the tabernacle. Anthony Mangan, his son who pastors, is the senior pastor there in Alexandria, Louisiana, wrote a book. We have it in our bookstore. It's available if you want it, Heaven to Earth. And I'm taking from the biblical construct of the tabernacle over the next handful of weeks and preaching on this thought. Um, I will touch some aspects of the book itself. If you want the, uh, more of the deep dive that he takes into some areas. And I'm going to tell you, this book is not meant to be an exegetical work. It's not what it is. Everybody understand. There are some principles. There would even be uh, some allegory considered in there as far as for visuals and the way you see things. But there is a great practical and structural application to the tabernacle as it revolves around us getting close to God. How many know that God is a God of structure? He is. 
And how many know that just because we live in the modern Pentecostal movement, we don't, we don't dismiss the Old Testament? That, that wasn't real hardy. That was... We need, they work together. In fact, we need to be very careful when we look at it as the Old and New Testament. Really, it's just the Word of God. You know, men divided it to call it the old and the new. We're not going to get into all that. But, um, but we are going to talk about the, the, the gate today. The gate. Everybody say the gate. Yeah. All right. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. These are great people. They've taken time to be at your house today. We got students all over this building today. We got little kids all the way up to teenagers. We got new members in the new members class. We got people everywhere today. We're praying that your spirit would meet with them in their classes and that your spirit would do a powerful work as I do my best to launch this series and preach to this main sanctuary. I pray your blessing upon every man and woman that's taken time to be here and that the glory of God would fill this house in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, if you're a visitor, if you're a first time, maybe you're from the community, you've never been here before. Uh, I want you to know, first and foremost, if you haven't heard this, you made our day by coming to church. We're delighted that you're here. I want you to hear that from me personally. Um, as as pastor of this church, I want to tell you, I'd love to get a chance to know you, to meet you. Uh, I'll probably be around the Welcome Center after service, and so I'd love to get a chance to connect with you. The reason I am so intentionally greeting you here today and starting this way is I want everyone in this room, whether you are a long-standing member of Calvary or whether today is your first Sunday, I want everyone to hear me real clear, okay? God wants a relationship with you. Yes, he does. I've been in the church 70 years. I've been in the church seven minutes. God wants a relationship with you. There's not a parent in this room that wanted your kid more when they turned 25 than you wanted them when they were two and a half minutes old. Does it make sense? God loves us, not for the good we do, but for who He is. I moved to St. Louis um, in December of 2013. Uh, Brother Drew, you remember when I left Ohio and had to head there to work for headquarters in youth ministries. I knew St. Louis for one reason, okay? Maybe two reasons. One of those reasons was the Cardinals. It's not a good reason. Sorry if you're a Cardinals fan. That's your problem. The second reason is for the St. Louis Arch. Anybody in here ever been up in the St. Louis Arch? Raise your hand real high. Look at you, daredevils. Remember getting in that little egg? We took our family. Remember this, babe? We took our family. We're going to get in it. Cadence was just a little thing, and we get in, and we're all excited. We're, we're just, we're going to open them up to this new experience. We're being great parents. We paid the ridiculous fee to put them in the egg. Brother Rodenbush, we got in there, and about the time we started going up, my daughter decided this was the worst thing on the face of the earth. 
I'd never seen her scared by anything. She didn't want to get back in to go down. I thought, baby, you don't want the other option. Went all the way up, and there's those little, remember those, you know, those little bitty windows up in the top? Setting up there in those windows, looking out, kind of leaning up. If you're afraid of heights, it doesn't matter how secure you are looking out. How many of you are afraid of heights, and when you look out, your stomach still drops like, oh, Jesus. And it's not like you have much room to back up. It's like, oh, oh. <laughs> this tiny little sliver. I think maybe they have a picture of construction of when this thing was being built. I'm not, I'm not, yeah, ooh. How do you want to be that guy? I, somebody say, not me. Not me. I, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy that is responsible to, to come up with. Yeah, I'll, I'll get on the scaffolding today. How about you be the guy that walks across? Go to that next picture. That was awesome. How, you're going to be the guy that walks across that little bridge in the middle. The devil is a liar. No. Imagine getting those cranes up on there. You know that that design, that design landed uh, in about 53 because it won an architectural contest. You know, it's one thing to draft that on paper. <laughs> then imagine being told, you win. Let's build this. <laughs> I just, I don't think so. But a master architect draws with building in mind. Please catch that. A master architect drafts with construction in mind. It's not just conceptual, it's realistic. It's what can be developed. Now still on a windy day, Brother Hobson, we've been, both of us in that arch before. On a windy day, you can be up in the arch and this was a bad choice. <laughs> but then you got to own it like you're not nervous. No, I like this. Reminds me of my other bad decisions in life. It's known as the gateway to the West. Didn't go there for it to be a gateway to the West. I just went there because it's an amazing big arch that looks like half of what McDonald's tried to do. And it's an amazing feat. And it is beautiful. And they have, over the last five years, done a tremendous amount of work there around the arch, this national monument area. And the rides had more recently opened up. I'm not sure if they're shut down again. But trying to allow this to be a symbol to all of the... Midwest, that, that this, this was a gateway to the Western expansion of the United States of America. The gate we're going to talk about today was started a long time before this. And it's not a gate that focused on expansion to the West, or so some would think. However, it was known as the gate of the entrance or the east gate. It's where it focused. And I want to talk about it a little bit here this morning. 
I want to tell you that it's important we remember God being a God of detail. Everybody, everybody that's thankful he's a God of detail, say amen. He's a God of detail and he's a God of personal detail, which helps because we've talked a lot lately about how he is a God who is concerned by the feelings of our infirmities. If he doesn't know your details, how can he be concerned about what you're dealing with? For some of us, we are haunted by the reality that everyone knows even God has the count of our hairs. For some of us, that's a real wonderful statement. Well, good for you. For some of us, it's not as fun anymore. And it's changing rapidly. But God is a God of details. Moses was summoned to Mount Sinai. He heard from God. He came to God. And I want, to, I want you to hear me. We still need leaders that will go to the mountain and hear from God. Yes, we do. I want you to hear me very clearly. I expect you to expect that of me. I expect you to expect me to be a pastor of prayer. A pastor who will seek God. And a pastor who will preach what is right, even if it is not easily acceptable. Yes, I do. When he goes to the mountain, he is separated from the people. This is a dangerous place for us to view. And I don't want to take a lot of time fleshing this out, but it's important for history for us to remember. What happens when Moses separates from the people and goes to the mountain? All of a sudden, they go from a following people to a golden calf building people. Watch the dichotomy of occurrence here. He is up on the mountain where God himself is inscribing tablets of stone. He's about to carry down stone tablets inscribed by God carrying the big tin down the hill, and before he can get back to base camp, they're dancing in front of a golden cow. And we think, that's bizarre. Not if you take a look at the culture of the day. All they had done was become worldly. That's why you got to read text through lens. Historical criticism matters because we look at that and we think, well, I've never, you didn't, pastor, I may be gone from church for months, but you don't have to worry about the golden calf thing. Okay? What golden calf for them was, internet browsing is for us. It's what we dance before. Ah. Uh. He comes down and there they are. I don't know what kind of a jig they were doing. But I know this. He got mad. But, but Ronald, he lost his temper. How many feel like he was justified to lose his temper? Come on, you'll feel better about when you lose your temper if you just give him a break right now. Old stuttering Mo. He lost 
He lost it. Throws him down. Stumps to Aaron. I knew you were no good. Mad. Before the thing's over, he's melting down gold. People, remember this? This is terrible. A terrible scenario. But it's because while he as a leader was on the mountain hearing from God, the people grew away from God. That's why it is critical that we are followers of Christ more than followers of men. I thank you for your honor. I thank you for your respect. But I am not worthy to stoop down and unlatch the sandals of the master. Folks, we are human. We need spiritual authority in our life. We need leadership in our life. But we've got to look unto him who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Yes, they did. They rebelled. They began worshiping in frustration. He broke the tablets. He destroys the calf. He, he, he leads the children of Israel to a place of restoration and repentance. The only good part of that story is that they got a chance to repent. Thank God that they did. But it was a, it was a rough situation. For the sake of your time, I won't... I won't read it all. Somebody ought to silently say thank God for that. Exodus 33, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. Moses had been instructed to recreate the Ten Commandments on the tables of stone and to meet the Lord again on Mount Sinai. That second encounter with God on Sinai, God gave Moses the plans for a tabernacle that we read here today that would be built in the midst of the people. Built in the midst of the people. I, re I repeat that intentionally to let you know what I started by telling you, God wants a relationship with you. Not something that you have to go somewhere to seek after, but something that He wants right in the midst of His people. He wanted it then and He wants it now. There was going to be a place to offer sacrifice. A place to worship on their journey to the promised land. And when he began to give it to Moses, he gave him dimensions. He gave him materials. He gave him purpose. And he gave him placement. This all happened. He even told him what color the thread should be. Now people, theologians all over and some that claim themselves to be have taken all kinds of reason and strategy as to why, what, and how. I'm just going to tell you this way. Here's what I, I feel to tell you. God has a specific plan for your life. That's why, Brother Massengale, it is dangerous for we as a church to look across town and try to compare who we are and what we're trying to be against the measures that somebody else is doing if those instructions are not filtered through this book. Uh-huh. 
Well, they do this and that and the other. Here's where I want to start first. What are the dimensions of their doctrine? What is the scale of their spirituality? Because if I've got to choose between being savvy or being spiritual, I'm going to go with spiritual every day of the week. I am... Listen, I'd love for us to run thousands of people, but narrow is the gate. Oh man, I, I'm hitting a little something right here, so I'm going to stay here for a minute. God, I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. I want you to tell me how do we build this thing? How do we really do it in a way that the mountain gets to the valley? Because that's really what I'm after. I want the mountain experience to get to the valley living. I want to know that when I'm living here, it reflects a conversation with you. Woo! Yeah, 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 yeah. So when you get up for work in the morning and it seems like you're in the middle of a valley, you know that I can reference my life from what came from the mountain. So yeah, it matters. It matters how big, how big we build it. Yes, it does. It matters the dimension, the length, the width, the breadth. It matters what kind of yarn and scarlet and fine linen it does. It matters. It matters how we build it because he's a God of detail. And if he wasn't, we wouldn't all look so different. For some of us, that turned out good. For some of us, it didn't. Unless you believe that he's the one who fearfully and wonderfully made you. And I don't care what your mom told you. You're not a mistake. And I don't care what your dad said about you. You weren't an accident. Mm. My, 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 my. But watch this. In Exodus 25, he begins to instruct the people. He said, you're going to bring gold and you're going to bring silver and you've got to bring your bronze and you've got to bring your yarns and you've got to bring your linen and I, and I want you to bring your goat skins. Don't worry, you're never going to get asked to bring your goat skins to Calvary. Please don't bring your goat skins to Calvary. Wood, your oil, your spices, your stones. But he said it's all for the purpose of building a sanctuary unto the Lord. And recently when we talked about volunteers, you might remember that we went into Exodus 35 and 36 and we talked about Bezalel and Aholiab and some of those who worked to construct the furniture that would be taking place uh, as a whole. Now the tabernacle, you'll see a picture of the tabernacle up on the screen behind me. There are, there are two major uh, uh, parts or dimensions of the tabernacle. There is the outer court where you would find the gate leading to the brazen altar and the laver of water. And there was then the second division, the tabernacle of the congregation. Let me pause. I'm not going to flesh this out today. We're going to work through this, okay? I'm going to do my best to preach and teach over the next several weeks. But I want you to hear something right now. There must be an entrance for everyone. Yes, there must. Everybody must be able to enter at some level. And we're going to get there as we discuss the modern church and what Christ really came to do in His fulfillment and His completion, what He was setting in motion for the church. But the entrance, now, now even viewed in their day, that was not the case. It was more to look towards it from the exterior for many than it was to enter in for everybody. But the entrance was visible. And I will tell you, it would be very sad 
If we have a church that does and has great moves of God, but the entrance is not visible. I'm not saying they don't know how to find the parking lot. I'm saying they don't know how to find their way in. How many of you, just like me, have talked to a, a slew of people over the years who thought, well, I didn't think I could be accepted there. We have to have a visible entrance, a visible gate, a way for them to, to get in. Hovering over the tabernacle was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And I'm trying my best not to stop and preach on every single point so I can get where I'm going. But there was marked evidences of the presence of God. I know that's Old Testament. But we have marked evidence in our New Testament experience. Yes, we do. I want His presence to be obvious. Say, Pastor, do you, want, do you want there to be smoke? Do you want there to be a, a cloud? Do you want there to be fire? That's not what I'm after. If he wants to do that, I'll be delighted. I'm going to tell you right now, we won't have any problem filling the building. If all night long, this supernatural flame just... I'd prefer it not to touch the building. But imagine that. You think it would be hard to find the tabernacle? No, but I will tell you that there are signs that do follow us as believers and they should be happening as marked evidences of His presence where people say, oh, if you go there, I went there and they prayed for me and the cancer dried up in my body. I went there and I prayed and I don't know how it happened, but I started speaking a language I had never spoken before. My addiction to cigarettes was gone. Oh, you better hear me right now. My addiction to cigarettes was gone. My addiction the alcohol was gone yeah it was the evidence of the presence of God how many believe we ought to have some evidences in our life when you've got the presence of God with you there will be evidence I don't walk the way I used to walk I don't talk the way I used to talk I don't live the way I used to live Come on, we're preaching and singing about the God of this city. The reason I know He's the God of the city is because He's the God of my life. Yeah. There are evidences. Give your elbow to the neighbor. Just, just yeah, give them a little bit and tell them. There should be evidence in your life. Spouses, be careful with this. Pastor, you set me up for that. I elbowed her. She just gave me the eye. What I tell you about elbowing me when he says that? <laughs> Exodus 27, 16. We read it at the start today. For the gate, for the court shall be a hanging of 20 cubits or 30 feet long. He said, I want you to make it with blue and purple and deep yarns and fine twisted linen decorated with the needlework. It's going to have those four posts. It's going to have those four bases. The gate faced east every morning it would be highlighted by the rising of the sun the dawning of a new day listen to this for the gate to the tabernacle God said it's important which way the entrance it's important which way the gate faces it matters where it's positioned and it matters how it's positioned here I am I'm coming into the meat of what I'm after here this morning it matters where we're positioned 
And it matters how we're positioned. It matters for you individually, but it matters for us as a church collectively. We must be positioned where He wants us, and we must be positioned how He wants us. Why? We are meant to be the bride of Christ. Brother Rodenbush, I believe it with all my heart. I believe it with all my mind, with every fiber of my being, that we are meant to be called up as the bride of Christ. The tabernacle is that type and shadow of Him. It is the reality that the only way that I can enter into a relationship is through Jesus Christ. You've heard me sing it, but I'm going to say it again. It doesn't matter how good our singers is. It doesn't matter how good our teachers are. It doesn't matter how good our preachers are. If we don't have the name of... If we don't have the name of Jesus Christ, we don't have anything. But if we can firmly position, who are you guys? We're people of the name of Jesus. We are people that know he came to seek and to save the lost. Listen, because how we live will affect how we pray. And then how we pray will affect how we live. Yes, it will. This is how I live. I live positioned on purpose. I am positioned the way that this scripture tells me. And it affects the way I pray. The only time we're driven to prayer should not be when there's tragedy. Woo! Come on, men and women of God. Churches that are powerful don't need tragedy for prayer. Powerful churches just need people that say we know when we pray. We know when we seek the face of God. We can pull heaven down to earth and deity and humanity. Ah, they can link up. Yes. It matters. What did Jesus say in John 10? He said, I'm the door. The gate mattered because it's a type and shadow of how do I get, how do I get into the deep presence of God? No man cometh to the Father. Where do we start with Jesus? I, th I, th I thought we ended with you. He is the Alpha. Folks, we make this tougher than it needs to be. He's the Alpha. And he's the Omega. Oh, Pastor, I've heard that a thousand times. Thousand and one. You can't get out of it on your own. Hear me. You can't earn enough money to buy your salvation. No, you can't. You can't polish your oratory well enough to get you into heaven by your own works. But if you have faith in him, and if you'll muster up the courage to walk through the gate, which is Christ. How do we come? We come boldly before the throne room. Why do you pray like that? I pray because there's power in the name of Jesus. Why do you worship like that? Because I worship in the power of the name of Jesus. I don't, you don't have to, but I'm telling you, it's like walking through a gate. It's like working your way into the inner presence of God. Oh, I need, 
I need somebody to bear witness with me right now that you've been in a situation in your house and you, you mustered up the courage to start praising God in your house. How many, have you ever been there? You didn't have no organ. You didn't have no keyboard. Nobody singing. Standing next to the sink. Holding on to the counter. Because you knew if I can get into the courts, if I can come through the gate and get into the courts, I can be reminded that the world on the outside, the world on the outside cannot affect a believer on the inside. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice, a voice of triumph. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somebody shout the gate. Be seated. I'll try not to preach much longer. The purpose, relationship. Brother Marshall, he wants relationship. He wants it. He wants it with you. Well, if God really, if God really wanted a relationship, he'd come to where I am. Already did. He already did. And I'm going to tell you right now, it would have been enough had he manifested himself in flesh and came and died for our sins and did that whole resurrection thing. That would have been enough. But then he said, I've been with you. I'm going to come be in you. So don't tell me that you're waiting on God to come. God has already come. You said, no, 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 no. I, I need him to come to where I'm at personally. He is. He's omnipresent. I don't care how bad your attitude is. I don't care how bad your week goes. If you have a bad attitude, that's your fault, not his. Yeah, well, people are dumb. Well, God's good. Nobody has the ability to make you have a bad attitude. Nobody has the ability to keep you from worshiping. Nobody has the ability. Yeah, but you don't know. You don't understand. Here's what I do know. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. And if you come to him, you can forget about him, you can forget about her, you can forget about them, you can forget about those, you can forget about that. Because before long, you come through the gate and you can't see the stuff on the outside. The problem with too many of us, I'm, I'm preaching to me, you just listen. The problem with too many of us is we cannot see the cross for the reality that we live too much in the world. Where if we would get into the inner sanctum of the court, if we would get into the court where the perimeter would cover our eyes from the things we spend too much time focusing on, because there's only certain things allowed in the court. We got to get our focus on Him. On Him. It was a type and shadow of Christ. Yes, yes, it was. That's our relationship. Revelation 13. What are, we, what are we reminded by John? He was the Lamb slain from the what? 
foundation of the world. When he, when he breathed it into existence. When he spoke it from the, from the form, the lack of form and the void. And, and he started, started creating it with the galaxies. It was already in the divine plan of God. He was slain from the foundation of the world. So it gives us that understanding, the purpose. But I'm going to tell you, it gives us power. But it is dangerous. It is dangerous to herald your power without acknowledging your purpose. I love the power of Acts 1-8, but not without the, with, not without the purpose of understanding the church's responsibility. Romans 5, therefore being justified by Faith, Romans 5, 1 and 2. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into the grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Brother Ben, I know what happened to you. Brother Robeson, I know, I know what loss you suffered. Brother, yeah, they, they, they passed away. But I'm not sorrowful like others sorrow. How can you do that, Brother Robeson? What if you lose a loved one? What if, you, what if you lose somebody really close to you? How is it possible that you can still walk into church? How is it, Brother Ben, if you lose somebody in your life or you, you go through something, that, it, it, how can you still? Because I'm not justified by my life. I'm justified by my faith in Him. It gives me power to overcome the things that would destroy me. It gives me power. It gives me entrance. It gives me access. Because there's a lot of us in here, Brother Ryan, there's a, there's a lot of us in here that would have plenty of excuses why we should not come to church. Some of you don't like that, so I'll say it this way, based on what other people don't come to church for. Some of you got people in the hospital right now. Uh-huh. Some of you have excuses you can list out, but you have found out there's just something about Jesus. <laughs> there, there's just something about the power I find in him. There's just something about the There's just something about coming to church. There is. You, your day, some of you, your day started terrible. Went to get coffee and there was none. Somebody needs to go on trial for that alone. <laughs> or you got coffee and you went to get your creamer and there was a container in there but nothing in it. Why would you put it back in the refrigerator? With nothing in there. Or you were on your way here and you got a flat tire. You were on your way here and all of a sudden all over the back seat, one of your kids that you tried to let them eat breakfast because you got to be at church, got to be there. People are going to call you. One of the kids, you tried to give them applesauce. Bad idea. And now it's all over the back of the car. Walking. Now listen, we know how to walk in here with a smile. Hey, hey, you, God bless you. Praise the Lord. 
Oh, oh, sorry, fist bump. That's right. That's right. And you know, 120 seconds ago, for the love of God, I don't even know why. Right? You know, that's just real life right there. But isn't it something when we get in his presence? Isn't it something? We only need about one worship song. And we're reminded, this is why I came. This is why I'm here. It's not about what I have to offer. But he's a God who loves. He's a God who cares. Woo! There's nothing like the presence of the Lord. Just stand with me. Stand with me. It's going to encourage me to stop. <laughs> Hmm. Gave us position, gives us power, gives us a pattern. What's that pattern? David penned it. Good old King David, Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5. Psalms 100, verses 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And some of you know that when you're singing, that's all it is. Come on, and thank God for it. Don't be off-key and ugly about it. At least be joyful. <laughs> Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Verse 2. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with, yeah. I'm, don't you love it? Sing in it. I'm sorry. Church, it would be tough if we showed up and there was no singing. Imagine that series. For the next four weeks, you'll be doing nothing but listening to me. All service. You know what? I'm not coming. <laughs> Somebody told oh, we've been doing this youth deal. They're trying to get the, the students taught at the level. And, and one of them came to me and they said, they're not sure they really like staying in the, in the sanctuary and listening to you. I, Brother Healy can tell you, I didn't even mean to. It just came out of my mouth instantaneously. I said, why? <laughs> Genuinely. We love singing. It brings us, it makes us feel good to come in. We come before his presence with singing. Verse 3. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Remember this. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Verse 4. One of the most quoted verses of all the scripture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Watch this. You can be in the church and not in his presence. Yes, it's true. Why are they crying and you feel nothing? Got one question for you. Are you thankful and have you praised him? Because that's how you get from the outer to the inner. Walk in and you just start saying, wait a minute, it's he who's made me and not me myself. 
He developed me. I know what they said about me, but I know what he says about me. And what they say about me pales in comparison to what he said. So thank you, Lord, just for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. And listen, your thanksgiving will turn into praise. And with every new level of praise comes a new level of his presence. Verse 5. Why? For the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations will you will you preach in here I'm preaching before you can get to the ark you got to get through the gate and we've got to stop thinking that because we're in the 2021 era of modern Pentecost that because we have access to his inner presence that we don't have a need for entering with thanksgiving and praise we got to show up listen we got to show up every time we got to start every day we got to start every service we got to walk through every with this thought thank you Jesus I got another day I got another service I got another chance I got why don't we do that right now? Would you throw your hands towards heaven? And I'm asking, listen, I won't belabor this long, but I'm asking everybody that's willing in this room to thunder in prayer right now, to lift your voice and begin to give him thanksgiving. Come on, let it push out of your lungs right now and give him praise. <laughs>